I just wanted to share a picture with you. Okay. Can I share a picture with you? Yeah. Um, if you not look, the funniest thing for a podcast. Yeah, yeah but it it'll land. Um, Russ, I'm going to send you a picture. Griffin already saw this, but I took a trip t- to Seattle recently. Okay. And then when I arrived home, I had a beautiful surprise waiting for me. My kids, yeah, my incredible children, had had made me a cake. Can you believe that? Cotton candy cake just for wow. Dad. Can you it's believe unbelievable. it? Yeah. Now, Russ, can you um I just sent you a picture of Cooper very <laughs> proudly, very proudly with this cake. Can you enhance? Uh you can see the card. There's a card. Yeah, Welcome I don't home. even think I need to enhance. Okay. And what and can you just read the cake? And this was Cooper's idea. Uh can you just read the cake for and, me? And is that Cooper there? Yeah, that's Cooper there's a, there. There's a lovely picture of Cooper smiling, her lovely angelic smile. And on the cake, uh it says Welcome home, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) What was your What was your gut reaction to this cake, Justin? It hasn't changed since from now to then. It's pretty much just Welcome home, bitch. (laughs) You know what's amazing about it is that it's clear that she did not get any help in the lettering. She read this all on her own. Clearly her. And Welcome home, bitch. She looks so proud. How did you, I guess, what was the punishment? Because you can't, Justin, this is like prison, man. You, you can't, can't let, let that let go. Stand. You gotta be the big oh, dog. Oh, buddy, that ship has sailed. No. Uh, this ship is, that ship has sailed. I long seated control. You gotta be the big dog. Yeah. Uh, big dog doesn't get called a bitch by his five-year-old, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's so. If I was still the big dog, I don't think that would have happened, eh? Yeah. I don't think so. I think there's someone pulling the strings. Oh, a shadow master. Yeah. That's right. It's, it is it's actually it is Cooper. I've been in that house. It's uh Oh really? Yeah. It's yeah. it's it's like a meet Dave situation where the little <laughs> thing is controlling the big thing. <laughs> oh lovely. Justin McRoy, and I know the best game of the week. My name is Griffin McRoy, and I know the best game of the week. My name is Ross Frosty, and I know the best game of the week. Welcome to the Besties, where we talk about the latest and greatest in home interactive entertainment without Chris Plant. This he, is a video game club. He fell down a fucking well. Yeah, it was He's a big stuck in it. It's a He's big well, well, too. Again. And they haven't found a big enough ladder yet, but they will. They promise they will. So, unfortunately, Russ, you are the one charged with telling me what our game of the week, Armored Core 6, is mm-hmm. all about. Actually, wait, wait, wait. I'm getting... Something's coming through on the radio. Whoa. Wait. Yes, it's coming through now. Let me, let me patch it through. Okay. Got a job for you, besties. From Software has deployed a new video game. You are familiar with their previous software, Dark Souls, Elden Ring, Hell. They've even won a bestie Gotti or two. Their new creation is different. Faster. Sleeker, with enough heavy artillery to coup d'etat a small nation. Your mission is simple. Get good. Finish the game and return with recon. Does it achieve the difficulty Goldilocks? Is it a Souls game with mechs or something stranger? Where does it fit into the Armored Core initiative? Remember, you will be entering an active battle zone. 
be on the lookout for rogue Travis McElroys and personified giraffes. Whatever choices you make in the field are yours, except promoting the newsletter at besties.fan. That's obligatory, along with the ad reads from our generous corporate benefactors. You have the following ad break to prepare for sortie. Handler plant. Over. You go get a phone. You just want a phone. Talk to your friends and family. You're not asking so much. Then you get these contracts and you get ripped off because they got all this fine print little details. And all of a sudden, they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech. You know, the contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know who's not going to do that to you? Not going to pull that nonsense? Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans. There is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like, literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or do you want to have a nice, easy solution, save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month? Say bye to your overpriced wireless plan's jaw-dropping monthly bills. The unexpected overages sound familiar to get this new customer offer and get your new three month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month. Go to mintmobile.com slash besties. That's mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. I have always had a spot in my heart for the Armored Core games. Even as a young young guy, I played some of these all the some of the the previous entries in this series in the Armored Core franchise. It never felt like anything else. It was always sort of an odd an odd duck out. It wasn't like simmy enough for the sim people and it wasn't actiony enough for the action people. But it, it really How is it not action-y enough for the action people? It's this game is you are doing a lot game. of like no, I'm saying, but you're doing a lot of like fiddling with equipment, That's right? True. Like in between more than missions, in a, yeah. a standard game, it's yeah. very much about like choosing your loadout and and going for it. Do you um, remember the first one you played? Oh my gosh! Okay, um, I remember very clearly. Uh, I believe it was an OPM demo disc. Okay. Uh, yes, that that's had a, right a to demo me. for Armored Core on it. If you are, if you are a young person, there were magazines, official PlayStation magazine, and I think what was the other one that did demo discs? Um, I can't remember. I think they, PC they Gamer had demo discs. Piece, yeah, official PlayStation magazine was the was the, the shit. one though. That got us back into PlayStation. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, they would send out discs with issues of the magazine. That you will need to explain like, what a disc is as well. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, it would have like a dozen like demos on it. Uh, so it's similar to how you would, you know, you, you this is not a novel concept now. You just go on the fucking store of the platform of your choice, and if there's a demo available for a game, you just download wow. it. But this, this Official just... U.S. PlayStation Magazine demo disc number two featured... Uh, demos of uh, imagine this you get a magazine subscription they send you a disc what a Can deal you imagine what a deal had armored core okay croc colony wars ghost yes. in the shell cool yes. borders 2 nhl face off 98 crash bandicoot 2 madden 98 for for just on the disc no just problem disc. just demo all of these i mean now you get them for free as part of steam next fest 
and you don't right. have to subscribe to sure. a magazine. But but if you like, we did not have back then. It was very cool. We did not have, or, or, I guess, personally speaking, I did not have money to buy games yeah. growing up, and so these discs were fucking huge. So if there was a good demo on one of these bad boys, uh, I would play the shit out of it, and that was the case for Armored Core, which was a, a real celebration in the house when we started to actually get full Armored Core games. Uh, so that that is my. So you played the first. So you're saying you played the very first Armored Core. I'm pretty sure I played yeah. all of the ones. And on looking PlayStation at it, 1. y'all, it's honestly, it's not that different. That was my no. reaction too. I watched a YouTube of it. And I was like, this is pretty fucking close. It looks like a fucking Armored Core game. This is an Armored Core game. <laughs> Obviously, cool. a lot slower than what we yeah. have now. But yes. um, well, and the graphics are worse. Like if you want to get pedantic about it. <laughs> I don't know. I have, I, again, I have a soft spot for these graphics too. Um, they're charming. They're very charming. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, about that early 3D still hits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I played this game a lot. Armored Core 6, I, I, you know, as soon as we got our hands on it, I played it a little bit. I was like, this fucking rules. But I had, you know, Starfield and Baldur's Gate and other shit that felt a bit more pressing. So I didn't really dive too deep in Armored Core 6 until we went to uh, Seattle and I had a lot of time to kill in my Steam Deck, uh, which I will will say runs this game miraculously. Wow, that's so, great. I didn't know that. It's, it's so, great. so good. Um, wow. Yeah. It looks great. The, even the, the, like, the text is maybe a little small sometimes, but like by and large, it's great. It runs smooth. Like this is, this is a game that sort of require, it's a very twitchy game, right? Yeah. And, and so, uh, you know, it is, it, it requires a performance at a certain level, uh, that I was shocked to see that the steam steam deck provided. Uh, also nice to have back buttons for this game. Nice they, to have back buttons for sure. Yeah. To be able to use my sub weapons and not have to take my fingers off the, the primary yeah. triggers is very great. It, it, Man, it's just so fucking fun to play. I played it basically my whole flight home for like six hours. It, I just played nonstop Armored Core and loved it. I just want to one more little like little history thing just to establish the the pedigree here. If you're not aware, the last one of these was in 2013. It was a sequel to Armored Core Five called Armored Core Verdict Day, and like right around that moment, right like 2013, I feel like there was a late entry into dark souls right like dark souls had built up like the co- the cult thing and then already dark souls in 2013 two, dark well dark souls 2 is 2014 oh. and i feel like that was like fever pitch for dark souls 1 right like dark souls 1 had this really slow burn building up dark souls 2 comes out in 2014 and they are like unable to do anything but things in that mold like yeah armored core is like done for for well, all they had just like seen so much more success yeah. with the souls games uh yeah. demon souls and then dark souls like compared to their other stuff that like it made sense that well and the burden i imagine that was placed on them by by namco bandai uh who all of a sudden had like the world's biggest hit on their hands for the yeah. first time in a long time i imagine that there was a an edict <laughs> From them of, okay, so just this then forever. The robots, put the robots away from. <laughs> That's what away. it feels like, right? Uh, okay, you do these for 10 years, and then you can do another robot one. Okay? Yeah, we'll, we we'll let you do one. <laughs> we'll give you a quarter of the budget, and good luck with that. <laughs> I, I think From Software makes the world's best action RPGs. I don't think that that's up, up like, after Elden Ring, I don't see how you could 
kind of debate otherwise. The specific genre that those games belong to, there is no one else. There is no, you know, the, they, they have spawned their own genre of souls likes and there have been some very good entries in that genre, but none that I think approach the bar of quality that From Software set. It is fucking bonkers to me that they have also, I think, done that with mech mecha games. Oh, like yeah, a whole nother sure. genre. Not I, a crowded field. Not no. a crowded field, maybe, <laughs> but like I I this is the most fun one of these types of games I think I've ever played. Okay, so if you've never played one of these armor core games, and I had been, this was actually the first really one I ever played. Okay. So uh, it is a it's very mission based. It's not like a uh, an open world Soulsy kind of thing. It's very mission based. You, you mean sorties or sorties? Sorties, uh, sorties. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you got on these sorties. Uh, you're given a little bit of an idea about what the mission is going to be going into it. Uh, what what sort of things are going to be asked of you? And you, uh, as you complete these missions, you unlock parts for your mech, and your mech is sort of constantly if you're playing it right. It's sort of constantly evolving as you unlock new parts, switching out those parts with different builds. And we're talking drastic differences. There's like tetrapod legs that let you hover. There's uh, bipedal legs that are super fast. You can get two swords if you want to. You can do dual machine guns and rocket launchers. I mean, there's a bajillion ways you can like tweak and and alter your, uh, your loadout. And it's really like figuring out what... A is best for your play style, and B is best for like the situation as it calls. But that is like the the main thrust of the thing. It's but it's like it's segmented. Like the missions are very much like go do this and then complete the missions. And there is some element of like rerunning these uh, missions with better equipment to get better like rankings and finding some unlocks. You also run like through some missions, some areas again with different parameters or maybe a different time of right. day or weather, whatever it is, you'll see familiar locations maybe from a different angle, um, which is actually normally I would kind of complain that that feels like they're just like, you know, padding the game, but I never found it to be uh, egregious or anything like that. It was always like, Oh, we're back at the dam again. And yeah, I'm going to like I wreck shit. The scale of the game helps that, right? Because yeah. you're in a giant fucking mech, and so the levels are a city. Like, it's, yeah. they are, they feel gigantic, and so it's not as, I don't know, bothersome when you do return It to feels them. almost like you're cheating. Like, when you first fire up your boosters and are, like, soaring across the level like Superman, it almost feels like you've put in some sort of cheat. It doesn't feel yeah. like you should be able to have this much freedom of movement. Right. Yeah, um, I, I completely agree. Yeah, the, the other thing that I noticed while playing it that I think makes it stand out, like... Mech Warrior, right, is the other big franchise that has been dead forever. Yes. And I've never been able to click into mech games, and this being my first that I really enjoyed, it's really, it just comes down to that speed, that, like, feeling that you have the mobility of, like, a super ninja, you just also happen to be a big robot. Yeah. Um, and it really makes me uh, enjoy the minute-to-minute a lot more than, like, slowly trudging into the battle and then there's a guy and he's hitting my shield and blah 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 like even if you do the heaviest build imaginable it's still so much faster than that's anything you would see in that's another the secret game. superpower of all armored core is they're fucking fast yeah and they don't yeah. look like they will be and it's really fast yeah it's really very very fast and like you know the minute to minute of a normal level is you know, you dashing around, just dropping these light mechs like they were, you know, just tearing through them like tissue paper. 
and you know trying not to get hit and you know look maybe looking for a, a you know a little unlockable here or there as you fly through but it's really really fast and not particularly challenging until you get to a boss fight some of which are super fucking hard yeah uh, i just did the one right after your first sort of uh uh interaction with the like coral um, that is like a guy with rings of rocket launchers. Oh yeah, Balteus is. I yeah. I I should remember his name because I fought him probably thirty fucking times on the plane. But like now, all of a sudden, now is now. Oh, it is from the Dark Souls guys because this boss fight is taking me a very, very, very long time and a lot of like pattern memorization and recognition to to get through and a lot of experimentation that that the ability to customize your mech mid mission like after you fail is like there is no no barrier or friction to it it's like well okay i got rocked because i don't have enough time to charge up this plasma launcher so i'm gonna go in with two smgs this time and and see if i have uh see if i have an easier time there there is a slight barrier which is you can only customize your mech based on the stuff you've already bought Yes. And although you can like grind out money from redoing old missions, that can be a little bit annoying. Uh, so I found myself like getting a little bit frustrated at moments where I like knew that I needed a certain piece of gear, but I hadn't bought it yet. And I had to restart the whole mission in order to buy it. Huh. I it never. Is, yeah. Yeah. It, it's uh, it's this is this is like a sticking point that I was uh, running up against that I would love to get your guys thoughts. The moment where, like, you do run into these boss fights, and there is absolutely, like, a learning curve. Yeah. Um, what was, like, kind of causing some friction for me is not knowing if I should be investing the time into, like, beating my head against learning patterns and just getting better skill-wise or starting over from scratch with, like, a different mech. You know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. mind drilling on an enemy – in Dark Souls, if I know that, like, I'm building what I need – or Sekiro is probably a better example, right? The idea of, like, I'm going to keep doing this over and over again until I get good enough to beat it. Because you don't have another option, right? It's not like right. there's another – like a super sword you could get in the yeah. back room that's going to help you in this scenario. And that's something where, like, I don't know. Maybe if I had this balance of equipment and these different things, then maybe this fight would be would be easier. I don't know. Yeah, or I'd, maybe I should just keep working on it. You know, I don't, I don't know. That's – it's a, friction. It is a balance between those two ideas. I think Sekiro is as far from this game as is possible because there isn't really much wiggle room in the mechanics of right. the thing to let you come back and just storm through this fight. That's that game is just about the learning the patterns and getting getting better at the fights. Um, and this game, like it is, there is a lot of that. Right, that Balteus fight, like I could not beat until I learned. You know, when he comes at you with his flamethrower. Like, what that looks like and what you need to do to get out of the way of it. But also, like, I had a lot of, I had a much easier time with it once I, uh, you know, really just changed everything about my mech and, and changed it from being, like, a heavy, tanky one that can carry a lot of big, fat weapons uh, with, like, big power requirements. And then just, like, kind of got down to a lightweight mech that could move fast enough to dodge all of his rockets. And then, like, I kind of breezed through it because he couldn't touch me um, yeah what's so here's what's funny is that i was having a lot of frustration because i started with a light mech and was getting smoked and ended up making like the heaviest mech imaginable with dual machine guns and tra tank treads and whatever and the fight became much easier and 
there are moments in this game, even the fight before Balteus, you, you do like a one-on-one fight against the guy. There are moments in this game where I sort of hit this moment where I was like, I'm not sh-. like, it kind of feels like they want me to do a specific thing, yeah. whether that's true or not. It just felt that way to me. And when I figured out, and sometimes this involved like going online and being like, hey, what's the best build for this guy? When I figured that out, the fights became so much easier that I was like, oh, so maybe I, d- I shouldn't be using like spending all this time dying and dying and dying because there is right, to right. some extent a right answer. That that there is, I would say, or some balancing right issues with this game because that build that you just described, I just unlocked the like heavy machine gun tank treads yeah. build and it really trivializes a so lot much of, the game. of this. A lot of there's there are some bosses that you run into that you simply need to be faster to like to to get at and they have shields that like uh ballistic weaponry just bounces off of harmlessly and so i've had to make minor tweaks here and there but for the most part the build that russ has just described will carry you through most of the game and yeah, that, it's that, dual that, miniguns and the and dual songbird rocket launchers with tank by miniguns you mean like gatling guns yeah they're yes. ga- yeah sorry yeah. gatling guns and and these songbird rocket launchers on your back and like they are these uh there are these arena battles where you fight one guy at a time and yeah. plant was like oh yeah no that build is not going to carry you through those arena battles it's they're too mobile and i literally would just like charge in go to the center of the arena they'd fly at me i'd fire my every gun that i had and yeah. they were dead in 30 seconds like it wasn't yeah. even a thing um can we talk about i i i really like there is a secret complexity to the combat in this game, yeah, uh, I forget what the what the uh, I forget the terminology because it's like very jargony and hard to uh, appreciate. But there's essentially a stagger meter. Sure, we'll call that, it the stagger meter. We'll call it the stagger meter that mechs have, um, and bosses have them, and you deal way more damage when you have a boss staggered. But it, it really only lasts for a few seconds. Yeah, um, and so there is this. Uh, this tug of war that is going on between like laying into one of these harder enemies to stagger them. And then once they are staggered, making sure you have enough in the tank to actually like put hits on them while they are staggered and not like reloading. Or even Um, like just proximity wise, like you might be fighting a boss where like you need to stay far away because they've got insane weapons up close Right. The second they get staggered, you might need to get up close with a sword or something like that right. to do crazy damage. So there is a like a really cool, fun back and forth going on there uh, where you're trying to take advantage of those moments. I will say there's also, uh, I just want to also note, uh, there are some fucking s- fantastic set pieces yeah. in this game where they're playing with scale and you're going up against something that it seems like there's no reality in which you should be able to even ding. And the way you like systematically take down some of these big enemies um, and the reaction from it is like so fantastic. There was one bit that I played recently where uh, there's a swarm of enemies closing on my location and they're bringing in this big freighter that's about oh, to start yeah. dropping them on me. <laughs> and they're like, get ready, another wave is coming. And I'm like, actually, fuck that. I'm going up there. And so I flew my dude all the way up there till I was on top of the ship, 
just slicing the hell out of the the transport itself. And it's like, oh, it's about to explode. You should go. And I'm like blasting away from it with the camera behind me as this ship explodes. And it's like, it didn't even tell me to do it, right? Which made it so thrilling to, to realize that I could just get up there and blow the whole ship to hell. And there's a lot of moments like that where it's just like, it it is it, it all builds together into something that's like really really cool. Yeah, um, I, I described it as good Earth Defense Force. Those there are some <laughs> there are some levels though. I will say just converse to that that are just kind of in like a wet fart. <laughs> and it's like, why yeah, did you have sure. me do that? Like, that was nothing. Like That was just like a poor little rookie that you just yeah, had me murk. <laughs> there's a lot of that, like, go find this one dude and he's a bad dude for life. And it's like, I got two grenade launchers. He's not that bad, right? Like, pip, 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 dead. And like, oh, wow. All right, well, um, this, mission accomplished. The story in this game exists. I don't, and that's yeah. About there's it. a lot like, of even companies. For a, for, for a FromSoft game, it's like, instantly handler walter is like you got to get a license so or else the flames of rubicon will consume the coral this is a coral construction that we and it's like all right man like i don't know what any of that means it's kind of like miyazaki woke up one night and was like oh fuck that's due tomorrow and just sort of like knocked it out (laughs) it it has like the vibes are correct uh and there's a lot of like there's obviously like this fun world that exists here where these, uh, you know, bi- biologically augmented human beings controlling these giant mech suits have their own secret language that they use and their own like, uh, you know, form of street cred that they all kind of adhere to. Uh, but you are not really made privy to that as the player of the game. I will say, though, it is like so skippable. Like, yeah, they yeah, really bend over backwards to make sure you're not seeing a second more of it. And the stuff that is in level, the the, the, the moment to moment stuff is a lot more like digestible. It's, it's a pretty pat like you've got the gunny sergeant who's giving you a hard time and the other dudes are like, this Rook will never measure up. Yeah, and then yeah. you blow the hell out of something. They're like, I guess you measured up, Rook. Like that kind of crap. But it's fun. It's, yeah, it's, it's fun. it all just feels like a throwback to like that early 2000s uh, era, which honestly, you just don't see that a lot in AAA games anymore. And it, I've it, run this on nice. my Steam Deck and on my personal computer uh, and it has run fantastically well on both. Uh, I have not had any... Uh, any issues uh, as as far as any of that goes. And, and I think it's a representation because the game looks good. Like, it doesn't look like the best game I've ever seen, but it looks no. really good. And it's further highlighting what I think we all know is how fucking amazing art design can carry a game even if it isn't pushing all the polygons and whatever, lighting effects, whatever it is. And and obviously from software has shown their art design is peerless the when best. it comes to this. Yeah, yeah. I also... Uh, this game, I think, is hitting so good for me. I'm having an incredible time with it, and I think it is because it isn't Baldur's Gate, it isn't Starfield, it isn't Tears of the Kingdom. It is not this, like, grand and sweeping thing that you have to bury your head in for a 100-plus hours to, like, you know, consume it correctly. It is fun to just dip in, knock out a sortie or two, fly around, you know, light speed blasting haters and, you know, finally taking down a big boss. Like, that short form, very digestible kind of action yeah. is, like, 
I I had a blank an, a blank space on my dance card for it, and and this game is hitting it so right. I was uh, my one complaint that I had about this game, or not my one complaint. I mean, I, I can always find complaints, but something that I was struggling with is I don't really love. I I I I think it's fun to switch out weapons. I don't really love the there. You have to do some fiddling sometimes to make sure you're not over the amount of energy oh, you can sure. use, or your legs aren't overburdened. And I don't necessarily love like getting in there and swapping out legs. And and like Russ said, sometimes it's like selling and buying new legs and then trying those on to see. And yeah. I don't think that that part is all great. I don't necessarily want to like fool with that. I just want to find like a cool build and play around with it in the level. But what I discovered just yesterday is that you you can download um the uh like cores you can download like other people's oh i didn't know that designs like i was watching a youtube video yesterday it's like here's a great build for this and you can download it at this link so if you go to the link it like shows you still have to buy the parts right yeah but you can like download someone else's that's sick as design shit. so you don't have to fool with it yeah that's well i mean doing the actual parts not that hard because there's what six or seven slots i'm not saying it's hard i'm saying i don't i don't necessarily like engaging no no, no like I, I just want i know i want to try a fast build right but i don't necessarily want to go through and like well, these legs are the fastest, but I can't afford these, and this core goes over my it, whatever. I can I'm absolutely can see some people want that level of fidelity. I'm just not interested. In yeah, it. I was mostly saying it's nice to be able to also uh, take people's uh, mechs that like look insanely good because they spend yeah. a lot of time like painting every part in a cool For way. For sure, yeah. Uh, which I'm probably not going to spend a ton of time doing. Some of the mechs look so cool. Yeah. You can also make one that looks stupid if you want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the the tank tread double Gatling gun mech doesn't look very. The, he looks like just a big fucking iron hoagie. He looks so fucking goofy. Like you sent Wally in to kill a bunch of people. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, he gets the job done, but he doesn't. You know, I the number of sort of like uh uh you know mecha anime recreations I've seen people posting online is uh is inspiring. If you want to, if you like action games and you haven't touched one of these, you want to try something different. This is absolutely that. Like I yeah, don't yeah. know. I think it'll click with a lot more people than maybe would think. Like this is my kind of thing. I, um, I I wonder. I almost wonder if they hadn't called it Armored Core Six, if it would have done. There, there is. You do not need to play any armor core game yeah no it is not it is so 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 not relevant to i was not lost armor core games keeping up no it, so like i don't know why they didn't just call it armored core armored core <laughs> like it's been 10 years guys i think i think there's a a, a precedent so for uh, the rebates. plight of the rubiconians hasn't been like a uniform thing across all of them how would you know? How would anybody know? <laughs> How would anybody ever know? Um, let's uh, let's take a break. We'll come right back and and talk about more uh, great stuff. This episode of the Best These is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. 
you have the account set up, you just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their Aura frames and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track, especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want, get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties rockandmoney.com slash besties. Hey folks, esteemed guests. Uh, it's my honor to welcome the sort of Andy Rooney of video games, uh, Rush Fresh Take with uh, uh, another one of his twisted takes. You ever notice how the... <laughs> I'm not gonna... <laughs> I'm not gonna oh, do our that. listeners are gonna love that shit. Yeah, um, man. I, I have been thinking a lot, as I'm sure the games industry has been thinking a lot, about the concept of reviews and... First of all, scored reviews, boo. Just read it. Read a couple sentences at the end of the review. It's not that hard. Hard but disagree. Bro- Go ahead. Okay. Broadly speaking, what I wanted to say was, do you ever find it interesting? Oh, God, I just did it again. You, you did really it. You did, did it hit that character. I couldn't Cadence. help it. If you, you let's, us- let's say you were um, an 80s boy. Let's say you were like 13 years old in the 80s, and you loved Pac-Man and Dig Dug and whatever the fuck. And then you trans you time traveled into 1998 and you played Gex 64. Okay. Now, for those that don't know, Gex 64 fucking sucks. Terrible game. Horrible. Oh, okay. But if you played that and all you had played was Pac-Man and Dig Dug, don't you think it would be like your game of the year? A ten of the ten out of ten. Holy You're shit! You're suggesting ha- if you could time travel ahead. There's a, a reason I'm suggesting this, but yes. I okay my in my opinion, the it's probably a no because when I have gone backwards, it has not like good games are fun to play still and bad games are not like it, and that has held up 
across generations, I feel like. So well, yeah, not, but I don't mean, you think like, the nuance of like, holy shit, there's a 3D game that I've never seen. I didn't even know they could even come close to that. And that nuance would be enough to carry you through. You are the- talking about a different Justin who is not an astute critic of video games. I like to think I'd see through the cruft. And see the, the cruft of you've ins- never seen a 3D game before, and now it's 3D. <laughs> yeah, I can see you can't wow me with a bunch of doodads and gizmos. Yeah, this is a flawed. <laughs> There's a reason promise. I'm saying this. Well, There's let an me actual- just say, if I was okay. a caveman who got teleported millions of years into the future, and then saw Battlefield Earth in theaters, I would be like, "This is my shit." Right. So yes, a okay, time so the- traveling person would, I think, have quite a shock. When what I'm, what I'm trying media. to get to, the like okay. more grounded, real, realistic take, is that when reviews are written, as we all know, reviews are all subjective, including everything that is said on this podcast. There is no right answer to good versus bad. Sorry, everyone on this podcast, but that's just the case of it. But reviews are determined by your experience. Right. What you've seen previously will determine how you react to the things in the future. So if you disagree with someone's opinion about a game, for example, if someone loves Starfield and you didn't like Starfield, you have no idea what they've played or what they've seen before they played Starfield that influenced their opinion on Starfield. Right. Which is to say, don't get upset about reviews. It's not worth your time. That's really all I want to say. Okay, this is actually really, uh, this is... this is actually interesting, Russ. I, I wanted to talk. Let me touch on this as it pertains because this is something I used to be a reviews editor of Joystick. Uh, AOL is now defunct video game. Uh, now defunct AOL is now defunct video game blog. Uh, and I, I thought I, I thought for a long time about how if you're talking about a review of a movie, you can control uh, by its very nature. It is controlled a lot more variables than if you're playing a video game for review. By which I mean the range of experiences you're going to have watching a film absolutely vary. But by and large, you're going to sit there in a darkened room and watch the whole thing from the beginning to the end. And and, and if you think about the variability of like any interaction it brings in, um, it it is even more wild to put too much frustration or energy into someone else's experiences because video games like especially with ones of a length and breadth of of you know a, a big open world game like starfield the experiences are just gonna be different like the experience of playing it is going to be different for everybody wildly different when you compare it to a book or a movie yeah yeah 100%. i yeah yeah this was a weird one y'all i did not like i i i was uh I was very surprised at the general reception to Starfield because I agree with everything you guys are saying because everything in a review is subjective. Everybody likes different shit and games will hit everyone in a different way. Um, but I, I, I have always struggled. I was see, I was reviews editor for. Um, joystick for about three months uh before we left to, to <laughs> does that make you down. a nepo baby yeah i'm a nepo baby for sure um <laughs> i and and this this would happen you know even before i was reviews editor there or whenever i would write a review for for polygon there would be times where I, my opinion was dramatically different from everyone else's and that's like a weird and sort of isolating feeling it's it is uh, what is hard for me to reconcile is when i feel like a game's flaws 
are so uh, like apparent um, and mecha- like mechanical in a way that makes them difficult to. If you watched a movie and there, but in the movie there was like a little animated GIF in the corner of like uh, P- Peter Griffin like doing like a dance in the bottom corner of <laughs> yeah, like of a movie. And then the reviews of the movie came out and didn't address the Peter Griffin GIF <laughs> in the corner of it. It's like, well, you guys didn't see the Peter Griffin GIF because it was for me it was pretty distracting. The whole movie when like Peter Griffin was. It was weird how there was a picture in picture of a whole ass Family Guy episode um, that was playing at the same time as as the movie that you went and saw, um, but you didn't even address the sort of Family Guy episode that was happening. Okay, I get. I guess so. Um, it's it it I, that the indignant part of me that is impossible to silence is there of of like really like the bugs didn't okay just, just well the, but uh, just but here's what I want to say about okay, Starfield okay. in particular and if and the reason I did a dig on scores review scores specifically if you go and read the reviews and even reviews of people that gave it one hundred percent four out of four you name it. A lot of those reviews are calling out all of the stuff that we called out. And yet, I guess, in those cases, it was able to surpass those issues to the point. And that's why scores are stupid. It's like, really? You, that doesn't knock it down a score or anything like that? No, it doesn't really matter. It's a number. No, scores are stupid in the way that they have been sort of commoditized yeah. or commodified yeah. by publishers and fans when and fans like people being like oh yeah right it's a seven i could see right. an eight but not a seven like right that doesn't mean it's any- dumb, but it's like it is also valuable if you have limited amounts of free time you know to be able to compare games or movies or whatever a little more quickly if you're trying to make a decision about what I you want to take in sentence. like if you're going to spend 70 dollars and you can read a, the last paragraph of a review or the bullet points at the end of a review that's like okay but i'm trying to like pick a horror movie with my wife i just want to know what the rotten tomatoes are. you know i just want to know if it's a 20 or a 90 yeah. you know like that's not but in those instances i don't think it is that difficult to find a reviewer who you click with and whose tastes often mirror your own, and whose tastes often can even guide your own. Like they can, they have recommended shit to you in the past that has like hit with you in the same way that it apparently hit for them. I I, I think this like wisdom of the crowd, like mandate that exists in the games industry of like fucking go on Metacritic and then look at all the games that came out this year that have I would say an eighty four to an eighty six. That number doesn't mean anything anymore because it's, yeah. it, it covers such a wide range. Just like find a person whose takes usually align with your own, and then g- just kind of go go with that, and it it won't lead you. This is this. I mean, we could talk for hours about this subject. The fact that publications have an identity with regards to how they usually come down on games is bonkers because IGN isn't a person and it's the Imagine Games Network. It's the Imagine (laughs) Games Network. It is a composite of many, many people with many different tapes. The number of times that at Joystick or Polygon, the reviewer of the game would have a wildly different take from everyone else at the site, right? Uh, 
And then people would come and be like, Polygon fucking hates this game. Well, no, this person didn't like the game, and they were the person who was chosen to review the game. And then you could get into like, well, why were they chosen? Why did, et cetera, et cetera. It, 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 like, all of this forcing a uh, an outlet to be an entity that can have thoughts and feelings about media is like is is wild it, to me. It is interesting though. I do think about uh I was thinking about I noticed that a lot of smaller outlets and I listen, I'm in no way crying foul in any regard. I would never do that about a review because I have no insight and I would never like want to align myself with people who uh, put false intent on on a review. I think it's interesting when you see a lot of the smaller outlets who definitely almost certainly only got one copy of the game of Starfield and played it and didn't have anyone I would assume to like talk through that experience with or bounce it off. Contrast that with all four of us were playing Starfield and like it definitely shapes your uh, impression of a game when you're talking to other people you respect about their experience, right? Like I, it's small, it may not be massive, but I know my take on it was informed by Russ's take talking about it before we recorded the episode. And, and honestly, maybe that's not the best scenario because most people playing at home will not have a lot of people. No, won't of course have not. That no, but I. But I it, it probably makes it a lot scarier. To say, I'm not going to give this a great score and I'm not, it's not occurring to me that some of these issues are real and serious and how many of them, because I have written some reviews where I'll go hard on something and it's not a problem for literally anybody else. I mean, it's no, yeah. nobody else cares. Uh, and that, that's, that's, that can be, feel very isolating. Yeah, yeah sure. But uh, I would also say like, before you, um, criticize us because that sort of echo chamber thing can taint the way that we individually feel about a game i would encourage you to listen to any game of the year episode we've ever done because like i don't think it is a uniform thing that we throw a game into the the fucking tiger pit with the four of us and well, we just no, like go in a circle tearing it apart but i do think that we sometimes will push against things that are like we will not shape our own opinions, but shape the discussion around some of those like sticking points. Like it, it, it even like uh, defending certain parts of the game just to make the conversation more interesting or get to the bottom of how we're feeling about something can can shape that. Um, I it's 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 a it's uh a, it's a weird conversation. I feel weird even having it. It feels very eight years ago or so, but it well, it, it is yeah. worth bringing up to. Just to add the context, I'm not, and I hope this doesn't come off as defensive. I have no idea what people thought about our Starfield episode. Here's what I'm going to say. And a lot of these comments, I'm just like being informed by the newsletter comments, which if you scroll to the bottom of the newsletter and you click on comments, What's you can see What's that link again? Uh, Besties.fan. Besties. <laughs> uh, everyone was cool. Like we did not get a lot of flack for it. Um, and I'm sure there might've been people that were un angry about it um, or whatever, but I think maybe part of it is also like it's on Game Pass and you could kind of decide for yourself whether well, it clicks for you or not. Well, I fully think it's because we don't have a score attached to our shit. If um, our shit was yeah. dragging down the Metacritic average of the game, all of a sudden now we are 
uh, attacking the people who make the game. That would probably be good for downloads. Now that I think about it, we, yeah. Okay. Well, let's yeah, we let's fundamentally change our shit. That is not on. <laughs> that's not on us, though. And I don't think it's fair to put that on any part of the media. The fact that uh, publishers sort of penalize very directly and fungibly the people who make games for the number that appear for the color of the number that appears next to their shit on yeah. one website uh is fucked beyond uh be beyond repair um, um, but i do think that if we had put a number on it and that number would not have been a very good number and would have changed that uh, the color of the number on Metacritic, then all of a sudden we are enemies of the state of Xbox. And I'll, and I'll admit to another bias real quick, as long as it, one that like is worth thinking about when you're listing the besties. Uh, we do uh, with uh, very typically we do a new game each week, which means that we're having to find the time in a week to play a game that we like enough so that we can form some cogent thoughts on it. And that's in addition to whatever we should want to play for like fun or other activities you want to do for fun. I know that the pace of the besties and just, this is a lot me too. Uh, I have less patience for games that are not delivering on something enjoyable quickly. Yeah, sure. If it's a game that requires a lot of patience to get into, I am bringing a bias against that because it feels frustrating when I have like a lot of, like I need to have a lot of this experience, but it is really slow and eating up a lot of time. And that can be, and, and it's taking time away from a lot of other things I'd rather be doing. That to me is something I, is a bias that I know that I bring to it. And I right. feel the same way about like a TV show, for example, like or whatever. Mm -hmm. If it, you have to watch eight episodes before it starts getting good, like fuck that. I got better stuff to do. I found games that I, I dip back into Starfield a little bit. Um, and I haven't, I think I found it more pleasant when I didn't have to play it to prepare for an episode. Mm -hmm. When it is just like, I don't know, just fuck around, see what's going on. I, I there are games like that that I find more pleasurable when I don't have that burden of time um, hanging over my head. And I know there's a certain subset of people who the whole thing with these Bethesda games is that they can like absolutely lose themselves in a game for you know hundreds of hours maybe, and that's that's cool too. I wish I had the sometimes I wish I had the the you know the bandwidth to to do that. But it's just a different it's a different set of expectations that we're bringing. Yep. And some of it sucks ass. <laughs> let, let us do reader mail. Um, the first question comes from Josh Raub. Are you going to share Russ's No Man's Sky custom setting screen? Uh, yes. Uh, and, and there's a bunch of... Uh, Josh made a comment about um, how they played 100 hours when it first came out. Uh, and then we're thinking about starting a new game. Um, yeah. So in this episode of the newsletter, this episode's newsletter uh, should have screenshots of my setting screens. It's like three screenshots because there's so many settings you can change. But uh, use those settings and you should be very happy. Uh, you also will get my my uh, caramel snack mix recipe. I think that was in the last newsletter. In the last one. OK. Yeah. We, there is actually a question about that. Oh, OK. Uh, we'll okay. jump right to it. How about that? Sure, this yeah, question please. comes from Jaconian. Since I don't want to mess with the required ingredients, I wonder what the taste difference would be like if you use dark corn syrup instead of light corn syrup. Would there be too much of a molasses flavor when combined with the brown sugar? Okay, so you're and for you, people that didn't read the newsletter, what exactly did you provide? This is a this is a caramel snack mix recipe that I've eaten it, that I've made a bunch. Griffin's eating it. Griffin, what do you think? Good as fuck. 
good as fuck. Uh, I would say that with the, if you use dark, it, it is a basically a, you make a caramel, you dump it over cereal and nuts, and then you bake it for an hour. Uh, what I would say is that if you, I think if you start with dark corn syrup and then you cook it down for an hour, I've never tried that, but I do think it, the flavor caramelizes, you get a lot of caramelization and a lot of dark flavor after cooking it for an hour at 275. So you're, I think you might overshoot it and it might get to be a little unpleasant if you use dark, uh, corn syrup. I, it's also why I avoid dark brown sugar in the recipe just because it's it's cooking for so long. I think it might reduce too much and be a little bit too, uh, maybe even better, but, um, you know. Trust the expert. But but also fool around with it. Who cares? Uh, one last question. This question comes from Mark. Uh, okay, how does one get started on retro handhelds? If I'm looking to play SNES, UN Squadron, or GameCube, Beautiful Joe, what's a good handheld to start with, and where do these games come from? Well... First of all, you need a copy of the game. The original cartridge needs to be owned and in your possession. But with all that said, uh, Griffin, do you have a, a recommendation for a... I guess we've talked a little bit about... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would honestly just start by g- watching some videos, yeah. some YouTube videos. I love uh, Retro Game Core. Uh, on YouTube, yeah. They're, they're on YouTube, excellent. yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember the other channels that I'm subscribed to. Wolfden, ETA Prime... Retro Dodo, like there's a bunch of like YouTubers who just cover this shit, and there. I like that and, Wolf Den brings sass, whereas yeah, Retro Game sure. Core is like a chiller vibe, very chill, like a Hawaii very, yeah. vibe. There's a lot of there's um, a big range. I it, the the two games you have outlined could not be more different in terms of like technical requirements of hardware. Um, That's and true. so obviously, like Beautiful Joe is going to dictate the console you get because pretty much anything can run SNES at this point. Um, and so that limits your options to, I don't know, I think like, uh, the Odin Pro is good for, for GameCube stuff. Um, I, I got, I would, I have so many of these things now that I would need to cross-reference this with the, um, stuff I have. And also I feel like every few months, a new leader of the pack comes out, like a new best uh, handheld comes out. You're probably, if you're looking around GameCube, probably looking at a, like a hundred dollar or hundred and fifty dollar device, right? Right. Yeah. It's a big um, difference. What's that? It's a big difference. <laughs> yeah, somewhere can, yeah, in that range. Um, it could be fifty dollars or free. <laughs> one of those. Uh, I mean, Russ has been getting a lot of mileage. I still have not dipped into this, but you get a lot of mileage out of the Steam Deck for this, right? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I, I, I actually predominantly use a Miu Mini for playing retro yeah, stuff me like too, that. Yeah. The, the problem I've had with the Steam Deck is that the, the diff, and I'm, I know that there's probably a way to not, but the default way when it loads in ROMs is it's creating an entry, like, in with your other games. Yeah, that can And be. that's very cluttered. I don't need that. Yeah, there life. is a way. Retro Game Core, the most recent video where he's talking about adding um, emulation to your Steam Deck, explains what step you skip to make sure that it doesn't get added to the rest of your games yeah. list. Um, I will say my current off-court buddy, the one I travel with, the one I uh, just have and adore is the Miu Mini Plus. Um, yeah. It does basically everything up to PS1 uh, really, really well. I don't know if it does anything past that, but um, it feels great, looks great, great build quality. Uh, the interface that comes with it, it requires very little tinkering, um, but if you do want to get in it and you know make it your own you can you can for sure do that too uh and i think there's lots of those the 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 miu mini i think is hard to find the miu mini plus i prefer just because the it fits in the hand a little bit better for me um and is 
not that expensive. So that's that's my current recommendation, but I fully anticipate this time next year it'll be a completely different shit. So did you guys know that Link to the Past was not called that in Japan, by the way? What was it called? It was called like the Holy Triforce or something like that. It's a uh, hard to translate, obviously, but uh because the pun wouldn't work. Right, play on I words, feel like yeah. I did know that because I had to download the Japanese version of the game for the randomizer that I used with uh, mm. Trial by Fieri. Yeah. Um, okay, anybody, can we talk honorable mentions? Yeah, yeah, honorable mentions. Let's do it. Because I want to hear about Justin's No Man's Sky experience because I know oh, he's been boy. going deep in that. Uh, yeah, I, 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 the talk of like the new updates and stuff made me think about the fact that I've never really given No Man's Sky uh uh a, a fair shake um and i have re- i really have enjoyed especially as a palate cleanser after um uh starfield the 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 freedom of movement the ability to just like hop in your ship and blast off into space um it's just it's so pleasurable and so exhilarating every time you do it um and and the the ability to like dig through the land to find it's just if you look at the things that both of these games do uh, that no man's sky and starfield both do i feel like no man's sky has at every turn found the most like pleasurable fun way of doing something like if you're mining for earth resources you don't like go around with your scanner and then get out your shitty laser. You have a cool scanner and a cool laser <laughs> that rips up huge, huge holes in the earth, right? Like you're like terraforming to mine. It rules. It's great. You Then there's a lot of stuff that both of these games do that is just so much more pleasant on, on No Man's Sky. I, I And, oh man, the fact that it makes... It allows situations and characters that you meet and uh, other entities you interact with to be otherworldly, to be foreign, to be mysterious. And like that is the weirdest difference, I would say, or maybe one of the most palpable differences between No Man's Sky and Starfield is like in Starfield, the people you meet are all like stock human voice actors and they're from all no matter where in the galaxy everyone is still talking like they're on hobes and gardens like like hgtv like it it, there is there it's so homogenous and the idea that you're can't even speak the language in no man's sky and you're like chipping away at your ability to understand this world that makes it feel so much more like exploration than anything that Starfield ever does, um, and I don't, you know, I don't want to keep dragging Starfield in 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 a way of lifting up No Man's Sky, but especially since that, we did this on Resties for like yeah, a half oh, hour. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like, I mean, it's just great. I mean, it's like if you haven't tried before, it's great. It is a little um, there. It's like a little more open ended. I would say it doesn't hold your hand as much. Yeah. There is definitely some stuff you got to like look up to understand better. Like when Griffin told me you can just turn off launch fuel and not have to worry about that anymore. That's a delight. That was that's a rough very start good. Tip. You must do that. Um, yeah. I finished the story for the first time in No Man's Sky. The, um, I forget what the name Artemis, was. that one? The Artemis Path, yes. Yeah. Uh, and like 
progressed to the next thing in the game, which is uh, not, I'm not going to spoil it, but, uh, and then I started to do the new shit that is in this update, like the autophage, like you meet an entirely new species of of uh, inhabitant of the galaxy that have these like little invisible enclaves and they have their own language that they speak and their own currency and their own set of missions. And then you can get like uh, a staff that you can use as a multi-tool. Uh, all that shit rips. <laughs> it's so cool yeah, it's and so was good. so neat to explore. And I've, done, I've like pretty much knocked all of it out. And now I'm just kind of at a fun stage where I'm just flying around the galaxy trying to find like, a dope planet to settle down on and like knocking out some of the other sub quests that I've done and going into the community portal to like see these crazy builds that other people have made. I haven't even touched the like multiplayer Nexus uh, missions that, that are in the game. Um, it's just a totally different thing. It's it's a, it's a totally different thing from Starfield. Starfield is, you know, Starfield does shit that this one doesn't. It's yep. it is it has you know Bethesda uh, RPG shit and storytelling shit that uh, isn't isn't uh, here, but I you know I I love this game so much and I'm really I think it is a very special thing to have a game that flopped as hard as this one did uh, to see the level of dedication and just pure just working hours that have gone into it uh, is is truly a sight to behold. Um, I've also been dipping into Act 3 of Baldur's Gate 3, finally, and that is also extremely cool and very overwhelming. Oh, you're yeah. doing it finally, huh? I'm into it, yeah. I am um, uh, so I right to. at the end of Act 2. Okay, yeah. it's so. uh, It really drops you into a a big old place with yeah, lots I've heard that of shit is happening. Like dramatically longer than either of the two acts. Yeah, okay. I, could, I could see that. Um, yeah. I'm not going to talk any, I'm not going to spoil it. We'll yeah. someday we'll do a, a spoiler episode on it, but it, it continues to be the coolest shit ever. Yeah. Um, my real quick, uh, honorable mention, I know I actually brought this up a few weeks ago, but I want to reiterate it cause I actually finished the season. The righteous gemstone season three is definitely the best season they've ever done. And one of the best seasons of television I've seen in a long time. It is like genuinely filled with unexpected, hilarious, just like wacky like you think you see it's going right and it goes left in like just amazing ways and i'm just constantly blown away by how good that ensemble is it's just really really fantastic so definitely recommend it as on uh, hbo max no comment oh right right, right. yeah you guys can't i'm not scumbag I'm not union, but, uh, <laughs> I, I do support Scab. everything that union is doing scabs come back <laughs> um Okay, I think we did it. Yes. Yes. I want, I want to thank the following people for writing reviews for the besties on Apple Podcasts. We have B Churns, we have Brainus, and we have I Like to Take Naps, which, God willing, is from my son. I'd appreciate that. <laughs> um, a reminder to uh, sign up for the newsletter at besties.fan. Uh, things we talked about since Plan is not here, I will attempt to uh, run down. We talked about Armored Core 6, The Fires of Rubicon. We talked a little bit about Starfield and reviews in general. Uh, we talked about No Man's Sky. We talked about the Righteous Gemstones. And we talked a tiny bit about Baldur's Gate 3. Wow. Uh, I can't wait to do this again really, really soon. Uh, and I hope that you will be there to join us for that. You, you want to tell people what we're doing next week? 
Next week, we're going to do Sea of Stars. I don't know anything about that. It's a JRPG from the creators of The Messenger. Pass. Uh, we'll be here with you again next week. Until then, my name is Justin McElroy. For all the besties, be sure to join us again next week for the besties. Because shouldn't the world's best friends pick the world's best games? Besties!